You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 120 of Take About What is Happening. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and we have an unreal episode for you all this week. We have a star of Beetlejuice, the musical, who we haven't ha- had on, honestly. I mean, we had um, Elizabeth Teeter, um, but we have, and Sean McManus, of course. Uh, we talked to him right before he made his Broadway debut in Beetlejuice, but we really haven't had uh, much Beetlejuice talk on the podcast, so I was thrilled to, to bring those incredibly loyal fans a special episode with none other than Dana Steingold this week. I'm so excited for you all to listen to this episode. We talk about Broadway. We talk about what it's like to perform as a kid on Broadway. We talk about Beetlejuice. We talk about all of the things, and we even talk about, like, life, and and it's so fun, and you all are going to love it, and you all are going to become the biggest Dana Steingold fans because she is just a treat. Uh, I cannot wait to for you all to listen to the episode, so we'll get to that in a second, but as always, we have to start out with some Broadway news, shall we? Now, you all know, if you listen to This Weekly, you all know that I saw Funny Girl uh, in between last week's episode and this week's episode. Holy moly, I don't even know what to say, truly. It was one of the best theater experiences I had ever experienced. I I know it's tough to hear, and it it may be um, hard for, for some of you to hear that, but Lena Michelle was amazing in this role. I mean, her talent is just ridiculous, and I was somehow in the third row, uh, so she was right on my face. It was crazy. It was literally crazy. Her performance and Tova Feldshu's performance was just amazing. Like, it was a whole new show. It was a whole new dynamic. Tova completely played the Mama Bryce. I, I'm, the name is escaping me right now, but she totally played it completely opposite of what Jane Lynch did. Jane Lynch really leaned into the comedy. Like, you know, it leaned into the comedy as in, like, was, like, kind of going the uh-uh kind of comedy, like trying to really punch those jokes, where Tova was leaning into the comedy in such a natural way because of how miserable she was playing the role. Um, She was literally just like a grouchy Brooklyn mother. And it was hilarious, like literally hilarious. And it was a whole new perspective, but and she totally did not like... I mean, you know, Jane Lynch's comedy is completely different from uh, many other comedians. Um, She really leans into it, and then she kind of took the opposite approach, which was just fascinating to see. But those two really came in, and I mean, I don't want to say stepped up their game or whatever, 
But, like, with them being in the show, like, everyone around them stepped up their game. Ramin Karimlu, he, I mean, his performance when I saw it just last week compared to when I saw it months ago when uh, it first opened, and that could have been because it was still opening, he was really still finding it and everything, but, like, his performance was just ridiculous, and his chemistry with Leah Michelle was incredible. Uh, the two of their voices together was everything I needed and more, and I didn't even know it. And then, of course, we have Jared Grimes, Tony nominee, Take About Podcast family member, uh, whose episode was um, earlier this year. He was ridiculous. I mean, he's finding new things for tap dancing. He's finding new things in his character. His performance is absolutely ridiculous. Um and then, of course, like, because of the times of COVID, that that show is being hit brutally with COVID. And we'll get into that in a second. But uh, there were, I think, six people out. And they only had, like, four swings and understudies. So they were down two people. So there were a bunch of split tracks going on. My dear friend, Connor McRory, who was on the Funny Neverland tour with me, uh, is making his Broadway debut as a swing in Funny Girl. And he's absolutely killing it. He was doing all kind of split tracks. He had all kind of features because of it. He had lines. He had all the things. It was so, so cool to see him on a Broadway stage. Congrats, Connor, and literally everyone uh, in the show. Justin Prescott, who's literally leading the way over there in the ensemble and in general, just the whole production. I mean, you could tell as soon as he's on the stage, everyone's in like, a, I, I don't know, like a faster pace, sharper pace. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. Um, he's so good in that ensemble. Your eyes go right to him. You all know who I'm talking about if you've seen the show. Um, just incredible. The The show was so good. It was a completely different show from what I saw months ago with Beanie Feldstein and Jane Lynch. It was it was incredible. I, I don't know what else to say other than the show is amazing. Everybody's performance is second to none. Um, it, it's an expensive ticket, but it's worth every cent uh, right now on Broadway. And as I mentioned that I'd get to in a second, with COVID being a thing over there, Leah Michelle did contract COVID and now has tested positive. So she's been out for quite some time, which is rough because she's just trying to get, start to get into the rhythm of things, but that leads way for Julie Banco to continue to shine in that role as she has for the past, for the really the whole run. I mean, she's really just, I, I've never heard of an understudy get talked about, uh, about as much as Julie Banco, and so well-deserved. I'm so happy for her. Uh, she's going to continue to shine in that role. And then she, of course, is doing it weekly on Thursdays. So very exciting stuff. I saw the performance of Leah Michelle right before they announced that she had tested positive. Literally, it was that night I saw the show. And then the morning after, they were like, oh, we may have an inconclusive COVID test. So she's going to be out for today. And then they announced that she's going to be out for 10 days. Craziness, craziness. And um, I don't know, some people really took to social media and had a field day with it. And then, you know, there's people that feel for her. So hoping that it seems like the company is really taking a liking to her. So hopefully everyone in that whole company gets back and they can kind of, all the craziness can kind of settle in a little bit and the swings can, can rest a little bit and uh, not do 70 different tracks a night. Um, but it was just, it was amazing. That, that show was amazing. The audience was insane. Again, it was about her third or fourth performance, and 
again, four or five standing ovations during the show. Um, it, it's probably just going to continue, to be completely honest with you. And it, it's so it's so awesome. It's it's just so cool to be in that show and to to see how excited everybody is to go to that show right now is is so fun. Like it is. You just get walk into the theater and with how excited everybody is, it's like it's a lot of people's first time seeing a Broadway show and it feels like that energy is just feeding on to everyone else in the room who's seen another Broadway show because it truly did feel like I was experiencing Broadway all over again. Um it was awesome. This isn't even like a paid thing for Funny Girl or anything. This is just an honest opinion and my mind's rambling and um yeah, I just I I fell in love with the show all over again. I kind of understood it a lot more this time and I think that that always happens for me so nothing away from the the other performers that I saw in it um it's just the second time you notice different things you follow along a little bit better because you're not focused on this and this and this so um just kudos to everyone involved in the show and uh I have a feeling that uh it may have been saved it may we may see a long history with funny girl on Broadway now so you have you should probably you probably have some time to see the show and you should definitely go see it if you are able to. Okay, moving on because I'm talking way too much about Funny Girl. I also saw Dear Evan Hansen this week. I had to before it closed again because it closes on Sunday, which is absolutely devastating. Uh, quick happy trails and congrats on an incredible run to that whole company, everyone who's involved, the current company, the previous companies, everyone. Um, just incredible. That show gets me every time. So good. I saw Gaten Matarazzo. So good. He is literally playing himself as Jared Kleiman, and it makes me the happiest human being. And then you have uh, Sam Primack, who's finishing off the run in Dear Evan Hansen. Unbelievable. I mean, I had never even... I, I've heard of Sam, of course, but I had never seen him perform. I'd never heard his voice. I know he was in the Jimmy Awards. I know he was Pugsley in the Adams Family Tour and all of that. But... His performance in the show is absolutely incredible. He is everything you want in the role. Like, his, the way that he plays it, his voice is ridiculously good. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he's incredible. So the, the cast right now is, is really freaking cool. And you know what? Something that doesn't get talked about enough, because I feel like it's been talked about a lot with Lilius White going into Town and everything like that, with how the they've casted replacements. I feel like Dear Evan Hansen is one of those shows that's really flown under the radar of not stereotyping what they had in the original cast and continuing with that. Um, I feel like everyone looked different, whether it was race whether it was their hair color, whether it was their hairstyles, whether it was their sexuality, wh- whatever it was, like everyone was different uh, from the original, and it was it was really cool to see that actually. Um, so once again, congratulations to all involved in Dear Evan Hansen, and uh, hopefully we see more of that in the future. And the last show that I need to see before it closes is Come From Away because it's just heartbreaking that those two shows are closing. Uh, but if you can, make sure you get there before uh, both shows close. Dear Evan Hansen closes. Dear Evan Hansen closes on Sunday, and Come From Away closes. Uh, and Come From Away closes uh, later on. Uh, I feel like mid October. Um, anyways, I need to move on. Music Man. Speaking of closing shows, uh, Music Man announced that they're going to be closing on New Year's Day of 2023. So January 1st, 2023, the Music Man is closing. Um, I don't have a exact reason why they haven't come out with it yet. 
my thoughts are uh, Hugh only has um, a certain amount of time in the United States. I, I had I talked to him about this when I was in the Greatest Showman readings with him and everything, and he said that he's only in the States for like 12 to 16 months at a time because he likes to make sure he has time to go home and spend time with his family and his wife Deb and his dogs and everything like that. Um, just a great guy. So I, I don't know if if it was a that type of thing where he was in the States for too long and he was kind of like, okay, I'm all done. I did it. Um, I've had a blast and I can do it till January 1st. And then they were like, oh, well, we don't want to continue without you. I don't know exactly what it was, but nonetheless, it is closing and it's devastating to hear. That's my thought. That's my two cents for anyone that cares. But yeah, that's what's happening. Go see it before it closes because it's a performance and a show that you don't want to miss if you haven't seen it. I talked about Lilius White earlier with her Town debut. Incredible stuff. I just needed to shout her out one more time. Lilius White did have her first performance this week in Town and got a handful of standing ovations after the first number, after uh, her her a couple of her songs, actually. Uh, they have tons of videos, and then the bows, they went crazy. People are loving Lilius White. She, she, there's a couple of videos that went out. I haven't seen her yet. She sounds amazing. Um, if you can go check out those videos to get yourself excited, please go do that because they, she sounds amazing. I mean, she she looks great. She, that costume is gorgeous on her. Um, it's it's everything that you want. It's so so cool, and I, I cannot wait to go back to Hades Town to go see her performance in it. And you should too. Um, I'm literally giving all of these promotions to these shows. Um, not even meaning to. Anyways, I'm just reporting. Uh, Mr. Saturday Night will go to Broadway HD for those of you who did not see the show. Um, I know some of you may want to see the show with the age demographic that listens to this. Some of you may not have any interest. I actually have some interest, but, like, I heard that, like, I may not get it as much as, like, my parents or grandparents may get it, per se. Um, so... I'm excited that this show is going to come to Broadway HD. I can watch it then. I don't have to spend a crazy amount on tickets to go see the show. And, uh, yeah, that's what's happening. It's going to be with Billy Crystal, Shauna Bean. Of course, all the original cast will be in it, and they are filming it, and it will be on Broadway HD sometime later this year. That's all I have for you folks this week. I do want to say that today, Thursday, September 15th, is the first day of Spanish Heritage Month. And for that being said, I want to wish everyone a happy Spanish Heritage Month uh, to all who celebrate. We are going to be celebrating you all this month and in the future. So I can't wait to share all of that uh, fun content and ideas and all the things that we have planned for this month to honor Spanish Heritage Month. Let's turn it over to Dana Steingold because this was a long intro and I appreciate you all for sticking around and listening to me ramble about all these shows. But I've just had a really exciting week and I wanted to talk to you all about it. I even went to a Joshua Bassett concert, and I know I had uh, Larry Saperstein on last week, which is some of the High School Musical, the Musical, the Series fans, so I wanted to shout that out, and uh, I, I could talk about that too, but I'm not going to because this is a theater podcast, and we're going to stick with that, and so without further ado, that's all I have to say. Let's just turn it over to Dana Steingold. Dana Steingold, curtain up. <laughs> Thank you.
This week's guest is actually making her Broadway debut in the hit show Beetlejuice. However, this guest has been around the block with experience on tour, off-Broadway, and more, appearing in shows such as Avenue Q and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Oh my god, tongue twister every time. Everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, Dana Steingold. How are we, Dana? I'm so good. How are you? Oh, my gosh. So good. So excited to do this with you. Uh, this is a blast. I've been, like, wanting to have you on forever. I'm obsessed with Beetlejuice. Love your performance as the Girl Scout, for those of you Thank who you. don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Uh, but we'll get into all of that because what I usually like to start my episodes off with is asking people what got them inspired to tell stories and want to be a performer. Sure. So... You know, I think I was sort of an energetic kid, and I would kind of, like, force people into being my audience. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the oldest of four kids, so I sort of, like, created my own productions in my living room, which I was always the director and the star, obviously. And uh, I think my siblings were maybe getting a bit frustrated with me, and my parents <laughs> were seeking another outlet. Um, and so they put me in dance class, because I think that's sort of the natural progression. My parents both, like, went to dental school, so, like, nobody's, like, theatrical in any way. So I don't think it even occurred to them to think, like, musicals. Oh, um, and I just sort of, like, loved dance class, and a friend in the class uh, was auditioning for a community theater production at the Jewish Community Center um, in West Bloomfield, Michigan, of The King and I, different time. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's an outrageous story, which is always so embarrassing to tell, that my theatrical debut was Princess Yin Yowluk in The King and I. No way. So offensive, terrible. Great. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. uh, yeah, I think I want to say also that uh, Maggie Keenan-Bolger was in that production with me and several oh other people who are still in the business, and it's this very embarrassing story that we all talk about. But, uh, yeah, so I went to the audition, and my mom was like, I don't know what this is. Like, she doesn't even have anything to sing, and I was like, I've got this. Um, and I did, like, a fully staged version of Part of Your World, Oh my and uh, yeah. I both did. So, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally. And honestly, I just kind of fell in love right away. And I think from there, I just kind of immersed myself in it and listened to every cast recording I could get my hands on. Um, and luckily, this theater company sort of had this great children's theater and their main stage productions. And an incredible woman, Nancy Gerwin, ran it. Hmm. And uh, her son is Danny Gerwin, who is in, like, Lori and Little Women and Full Monty and whatnot. And he was, like, very cool and on Broadway and a professional and always <laughs> so kind to me. And he said to me, like, hey, I think he was at University of Michigan at the time, and I was pretty young. And um, he said, like, hey, you have to go to this camp, Stage Door Manor. It will totally change oh, your life. Nice. So I begged my parents to let me go, uh, and they finally gave in, like, two years later. Um, oh and it really was, I always say it was, like, getting off the bus, and it was, like, achieving nerd nirvana. Like, <laughs> <laughs> singing Sondheim lyrics and the ca- nice. and Bobby, and um, it truly was, like, a scene from a movie, and I sort of, like, how and where did I land? <laughs> um, and that totally changed the course of my life because I think it showed me that this was possible to be a career. And also I had just never been around people who were a, that in love with theater, but b so gifted. Mm. And I think when you're around people who you just can look up to and emulate and you're like, wow, I'm like 
one with them. I'm like on the same level. This is so cool. Um, and I just, from there, I was like, this is, this is the thing. So I think it was sort of summer camp where I decided that it was kind of the thing for me. And then I applied to college and uh, ended up going to NYU because my parents were sort of of the mind of like, if I was going to do this, just like move to New York City. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so I applied okay. to all the, all the schools. Yeah. You know, it was like Michigan, Carnegie Mellon, um, and NYU were kind of my like big choices. And NYU felt like a great fit for me just because. I really wanted to do academics as well. Like I do love being a student. So right. it was kind of a nice mixture of being a, in a conservatory within a larger university where I think uh, some other schools like Michigan, which is amazing, but I grew up like 30 minutes from Ann Arbor. Yeah. And uh, you're definitely like in the musical theater program. So, oh my God. Yeah. So cool. So I chose them like, yeah. Yes. Oh my God. And it, hey, I, I think it was worth it because <laughs> here we are today. <laughs> totally. You know, who knows? Like so many paths. And like I always say to people, it doesn't actually matter where you go to school because you're going to learn everywhere. And like each program has its own um, strengths and weaknesses. And like if you're ready to learn, you will receive and you will come out like better for it. So yeah, school is school. Just get a degree in something. Just get a degree in something. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You sound like my parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> amazing. So, so. With Kids It Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's so fascinating hearing that, like, it was really summer camp that kind of did it for you because here we are in this, like, whole COVID world where it's just, like, everything is, like, online. Like, all auditions, all the things, like, everything is self-tapes, all of that. And it, and it just made me think of, like, you know, doing a self-tape with, like, my brother or my sister, like, you know, how you did productions with them in, in uh, <laughs> your home and then, like, going to, like, go do it with a friend or something. And it's, like, life-changing, you know? Like, even just, like, a little self-tape thing just, like, makes all the difference. Uh, so just because it's, like, like-minded people are kind of, like, I don't know, it's, like, a comfort thing. And I feel like it kind of brings out the best in you, and that's really what it takes to be a performer is to be comfortable and to really like be yourself, you know, like the full oh, yeah. extent of yourself to, to tell the story. Absolutely. And I think like, you know, part of our job as human beings and actors is to like figure out who we are. And I think that that's the hardest work we can do is figuring out who our authentic self yes. is. But once you figure out, yeah, like once you figure out how to bring that into a room, I always say to people when I teach, like, that is the thing people are interested in. Yeah. Um, it's not you trying to be somebody else. It's truly, like, stepping into who you really are and bringing all the things that you think are wrong or weird mm-hmm. or quirky about you. Like, that is what is so charming and interesting about each individual. Yep. And when you also approach things that way, I think 
competitions like irrelevant yeah. because you're really only bringing your authentic self. So you're not in competition with anybody, if that makes sense. Right. Um, yeah, but I think summer camp was for sure the first time I also realized like the most talented people were also the people I was going to learn from the most and that it wasn't yes. something to be afraid of. It was like so thrilling. Um, and to this day, I feel like my, my favorite moments are being around people that I'm like almost like afraid to be around because I'm so in awe of their skills, you know, sure. but I feel that's like when I'm learning the most and it was true in school also. And it's still true for me today that when I'm pushed out of my comfort zone and like the more uncomfortable I am, the more I'm learning actually. Oh, yeah. Well, you <laughs> yeah. have to, you have to kind of let yourself be uncomfortable to put yourself in a position to succeed, you know, like in a way it's like what we do is, yeah, we have to be ourselves, but we also have to be someone else and tell their story. And that's kind of like uncomfortable in, in many ways. If you think about it in like, Oh my God, I have to do the story justice and I have to perform in front of 1500 people every night. Like that, that it's kind of what we do allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable. So totally, totally get that. Totally makes perfect sense. And uh, it's amazing. It's so weird what we do, but it's, it's, amazing. So it's, it's beautiful at the same time. I don't get it. <laughs> no, it's, it's like both things, but there are definitely days where I'm like, this is so bizarre. What this is, is life? my job. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I have to talk to you about Beetlejuice because like, it's iconic. And the show is just so beloved by literally all of Broadway. And we'll get into like the coming back and everything like that and all of that. Okay. But I want to start out at the beginning of, like, the process with the show, because I know you were with the show before it even came to Broadway. So when did you join the show, and what was it like kind of seeing the show be a 150-page or whatever it was script on paper to then what it is today? Yeah, so I am one of the few people who has been around for quite a long time. Um, the very first 29-hour reading sort of happened – Oh, gosh, I want to say it might have been, like, 2016, 2015. Uh, yeah, and so, honestly, like, they wouldn't tell us what it was. They said that <laughs> Warner Brothers had a property, um, and they didn't really tell us what it was, so we kind of committed to it. All I knew was that I was playing a girl count. I was like, okay. And then uh, when I found out it was Beetlejuice, I was sort of like, was there a ghost on that movie? And I rewatched, and I was like, I don't recall. And then I thought about Adam's family values, and I was like, there was a ghost on that. Um, oh my and so I saw it on the page, and I thought, uh, I think I know what this is. I'm just going to make a big choice and, like, take a stab at it, and they'll probably replace me with a child in the future. I'm sure they're <laughs> doing this as, like, you know, we have to have an adult do this now because it's a reading format and whatever. And honestly, at every juncture, I kind of thought that that would be the time I wouldn't be asked back. Um, and wow. so I would say, like, every six, seven months or so, we would do another stage of development, another workshop, another reading, uh, eventually some staged labs to kind of see how it would work. And uh, a handful of us, it was me, Leslie, Carrie, Jill, Danny, and I want to say – no, I think that's it for the for the very begin from the beginning to Broadway, and then that second round, uh, Alex and Sophia came on as well as um, Adam Danheiser and a couple other people. So we've all been like around the block with it, and we've seen it go through several incarnations, um, some of which were very uh, R-rated, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as you know, I'm sure you've heard about DC, which was like the full. 
am I allowed to say balls to the walls version on that? Yes. Oh my yeah. God. Of course. Um, I was <laughs> like, they went all the way, and we loved that version. We had a lot of love for that version. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think then they kind of smartly realized um, this was an amazing journey, but maybe people were really focusing on Lydia's journey. And so if we could make it slightly more family friendly and still feel dangerous and fun, um, they could kind of have a bigger audience. But um, yeah, it's truly been incredible. The first reading, uh, Lydia's mom was a character. Oh. Yeah. uh, So in another world, she, yeah, she met up with her mom and she did find her and her mom kind of saying the song that's in the home placement no way. now yeah that only so home wasn't it. always in it no and actually home was oh it had the same melody but it was a different it was called running away oh. but that song i'm trying to remember when that happened it might have been like in the lab but one of the last labs but no there was always i think they were waiting to find the right piece there Fascinating. Um, and, yeah, it was called Running Away, but then very smartly they realized that wasn't really super active. She's not running away from anything at that point. She's running towards something. Mm. So I think then they sort of, like, revamped all the lyrics uh, of that. But, yeah, it's been such a crazy journey just to see all of the versions that we've had. We were saying the other night that we should do, like, um, like at Spelling Bee, we used to do a Dirty Bee. Yeah. Where we do all of the jokes we weren't allowed to do. Oh um, my God. We were like, we should do like a Midnight Rocky Horror Show version of this. 100%. It would be so much rehearsal and so much money. I'm sure that we'll never do it. But even um, like a where we could do all of the low jokes. Show. Yeah, like something yeah. like fun where it's like all the deleted stuff. Uh, yeah, because there are some really good, really good things that I can't even believe were said, to be honest, that oh my I God. definitely can't stand this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I bet people would be all over that. Like, seriously, I bet people would love that, just like the deleted versions of Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed. But, yeah, I mean, I feel super lucky that they, like, allowed me to continue the journey. Um, yeah. Like, I, I really don't know how I got here. I, you I know, this, you. Like, <laughs> it's fascinating to you that, you know, like, you were a Girl Scout, so you were like, oh, like, is this my last go-around with it? Like, that's crazy. You obviously made a special impression, or you, you, were, you were doing something right, so that's cool. Did you even think that maybe you had, like, I don't know, like an opportunity to be in the ensemble or something? Like, were you hoping that you would stay with the show, or is it kind of like, I don't know? <laughs> You know, I think, like, with everything, this business is so crazy, and there's yeah. so many ups and downs, and I do so many readings and workshops, and it's my favorite thing to do because I love figuring it out and, like, being on the ground floor of, of stuff and creating, and that's those are the most fun rooms to be in. Oh, yeah. Um, and, again, I think the most creative rooms, and I would say also, like, where you learn the most because you're like, oh, interesting to see how this person approaches readings versus, mm-hmm. like, this person and how everybody works differently. Uh. But, yeah, I just sort of, I was like, I can't get attached to anything. I just have to, like, make strong choices and hope that they like them and will take me along for the ride. So I don't know if I ever thought, like, maybe the ensemble. I was also like, will this even happen? Because, you know, I've been in this business a long time. I've had so many things, like, fall apart, like the Godspell revival in um, 2007 that I was supposed to be a part of. I was supposed to make my Broadway debut then. Um, and that fell apart like three days before we were supposed to start rehearsal. Yep. So there have been so many close calls or cancellations and almost, but I think it's taught me to just live in the moment, enjoy what's happening, and not really like hope too hard for anything to happen. And of course, you easier said than done. We always like get attached to certain projects. Um, but I think we all did think this 
this piece was really special. And I think, um, you know, Alex Timbers is so great and so collaborative. And I think he also sensed that we had a very, from the beginning, like a family of people that were really creating the show that we, that's, it's a testament to him and to our creative team and the show that we're all still here, like all these years later. And it's because we really love it and really love each other. Yeah. Um, and I've truly not ever been a part of a show where it's like this, like both backstage and on stage, just the coolest, chillest people. And everyone just truly has a great time, which yeah. is why I think everybody who comes has such a good time. Exactly. You, you know? can totally tell on stage that like you guys yeah. are having, you, you love what you're doing. You know? <laughs> and yeah. It makes and I think that's part of the joy. Fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. So you were in DC and like, you've been with the show for so long and like, yes, you've done, you've done tours, you've done um, the off-Broadway before you even came to Broadway. But after doing the show in DC, you're a veteran and like, you've done the show before, but like, there's something different about, you know, coming to New York and, having your first, like, Broadway bout, like, is it, like, it's kind of, like, unforgettable, right? So, talk to me about your first Broadway bow with Beetlejuice. Yeah, I will say it was very surreal. I think when you take in how big of a moment it is, if you actually did that in a moment, you would be frozen in time, and you wouldn't be able to actually participate in Literally. the um, So, in a weird way, it's, like, both incredible, but I felt the release after because I think while you're doing it, if you if you really thought about, oh, this is the moment. Like I, also my words are, this is it. The day they're waiting for. Like what a joke. So yeah, no, um, it's true though. You know, and so I think it was this really amazing moment, and I always say that like I did have to wait a long time for this thing to happen, but it also was so magical because it really does happen when all things are right. Um, and it was such a perfect example. It brought so many pieces of my life together. Like Connor, our choreographer, um, we went to summer camp together. We met. Oh. first show at Sage Manor. He played my dad and the boyfriend. <laughs> um, he was very upset because we were the same age. Oh, my um, gosh. Hilarious. <laughs> um, and when he first was, like, leaving the business, like, not leaving the business, but deciding he didn't want to perform anymore and really wanted to transition into being a director choreographer, I got him his first job working on a show that my friends had written, and then that sort of led to, you know, other collaborations, which ultimately led him to Beetlejuice. So we worked together, and if I had to put, like, all the wish list items, like, if I had written it and buried it in a box somewhere, like, originating a song on a cast recording and originating a role and getting to the Tony Awards and Thanksgiving Day Parade, like, I got to do them all with this. So yeah. in a way, like, yeah, I could have made my Broadway debut as a replacement a billion times or whatever, but it sort of worked out that this was, like, the thing, and it was absolutely the right thing, and I got to build it from the ground up, so it was super rewarding. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that, like, that first Broadway bow, like, I was so happy. And then the enormity of just sort of, like, all the years – that and things that it took to get there hit me like after and I walked off stage and I sat in the dressing room and Jill looked at me and was like, You did it and I just burst into tears. Oh stop. Um yeah, and I just cried for like a solid twenty minutes. But um in like a great way because it was just like this oh really overwhelming like gratitude but also that it was the right thing yeah. and that I felt ready to receive it also because I truthfully think that if I, if I had been younger I don't know that I would have appreciated it 
in the way that I step into it now, like very fully being like, this is a special experience. This could happen again. This could never happen again. Um, you know, and so I think, you know, I don't know. And, and also being surrounded by just great people who also are so uh, full of gratitude and, and grateful to be there. So. Totally. I'm with you. The, the more I do, like the more I do this kind of thing and like talk to people about like what it means to like be on Broadway. Like I came from West Virginia, which is like in the middle of nowhere, you know, like no one knows it's a state. They think I'm from Virginia and it's like, no, it's West Virginia. And uh, there's no theater there. There's no theater there. You have to go to like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to do theater. And so like, I knew nothing about it. And like, I took my first Broadway bow at 12 and I didn't understand it, you know, like, I I truly just was like, oh, cool, like, this is great, this is so much fun, like, I was just having the time of my life, but now, like, as I I get older and everything, and, like, my voice changed, and I'm trying to, like, find myself again as a performer and all the things, I'm like, who knows if this is going to happen again, like, I didn't realize how amazing it would be to be on Broadway, or, like, what it meant to be on Broadway, like, it's so true that, like, when you're young, and you're kind of just, like, innocent, and you're, you're naive to it all, and then, like, as you grow up, you kind of start to appreciate it and, like, respect the amount of work it took. Because as your kid, you know, you have all this energy, like you were talking about earlier, that you're just kind of always going. And you're like, great, this is so much fun. I'm performing with friends, yeah. you know? So, like, you, totally. you just don't get – you don't even know that, like, you're making money. Like, you don't know it's a job, you right. know? You're just, like, legit well, having a time you, in you know, like, there's also something so beautiful in that. Because I always say, like, I did my best work at 15. Yes. You don't know any better. You know, like, there's no one telling you you can't. Like, I was like, well, yes, I can play the witch and into the woods at 16. That seems reasonable. Exactly. You know, like, I will be Sally and me and my girl. Absolutely. Like, and you're 14. You're like, yeah, that seems totally great. And it's Um, also just like, you know, I don't know, for me at least, like, as the more and more I get older, like, the more, I don't know, like, in my head I get, like, the more self-conscious sure. I get or something. So, like, I, I'm 100% with you where I was, like, I was doing my best work as a kid, and I just didn't have a care in the world that other people thought of me. And then, like, the whole world changed all of a sudden overnight, and it's, like, why do I care so much now? I'm, like, so, like, tense now going into auditions. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually like okay, another embarrassing crying story for Dana Sangle. Now understand I do I do cry a lot. Um, <laughs> you should though. You're in touch with your emotions. It's great. <laughs> and like I cry it's like in a positive way. I cry like out of joy a lot because I like to get really happy for my friend. Whatever. So um this is like sort of a negative but release cry. When Godspell got cancelled, yes. I sort of said like, Okay, I have like forty eight hours to be like upset and sulk and stomp around my apartment in my underwear and then I have to like get a job. Right. Because that's the reality. Like I left my job on tour to like do this Broadway show and now I have to like get another gig. Um wow. and my friend was like yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And my friend was like, what? It's, it was so wild. Um, and my friend was like, why don't we um, go see title of show? And I said, okay, great. That'll really cheer me up. Cut to Heidi Blickenstaff gets up. One day I'll meet her and I'll be like, that really moved me in a way that I can't explain. She <laughs> shut up and sang way back to when. Yes. And when I tell you that that song may as well have been called, like, I wish I could go back to theater camp, which really is what I do. <laughs> but I was with my best friend, and I mean, I lost it. Like, I was bawling yes. in a way that was not normal. And the person next to me was probably like, what is this girl's journey? What is she going through? Right. Um, but it's just so funny. And then I had that good cry, and I was like, I feel better. Like, I can move forward. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Who knew that you just needed Heidi Blankensaf in your life, you know? Yeah, it was like chasing to like going back to before when you yeah. didn't know the politics, you didn't know the like money invested and like all your dreams, you know, you just didn't realize uh, like what a miracle it is when you get a job because so many people have to say yes and agree right. and that it's just so hard. Um, so yeah, that song really spoke to me that day. Um, but, I, and it was just because like you could go back to that innocent time where you were just, like, doing your best work because, like, you just didn't believe. No one had told you no yet. Right. You know? Or, like, I don't know. So we just don't second-guess ourselves, and we just make big choices because it seems like, you know, what you're supposed to do and you're not right. judging yourself <laughs> yet. And, and then the trick is, like, circling back to try to get back to that place mm-hmm. so that you can, like, fully step into, like, what you're supposed to be doing. But it's, it's I mean, it's a constant journey as well because I don't think any of us ever achieve it. There are days... Leslie and I were just talking last night, like, we were just saying, like, some days you're just like, am I even good at this? Right. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, what am I doing what here? What am I doing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and it happens. And I think if you didn't feel that way, like, there'd be something wrong with you or you're lying. Right. It's like people who say they never get nervous. And I'm like, okay. I mean, we all have ways of dealing with it, but certainly there are moments where you're working through nerves. Yeah. Right. For sure. And if not, it's yeah. just like adrenaline. Like it's like there's a, it's a form of nerves, you know. Totally. Yeah. It, yes, exactly. It all everyone's nerves manifest in different ways, you know, and hopefully it manifests in a way that you can work through and like perform. But right. Um. I know. I'm just like thinking back to your story. Like I can't imagine just like being told that like you're cast in a Broadway show and it's just like yeah. literally three days before rehearsal. It's just like. It's not happening. Because I actually, I spoke to Kelly Leung last week's episode. Oh, he was in that production. Yes. 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 (laughs) So so it's funny that, like, you know, back-to-back, like, kind of crossover thing. But, like, it was fascinating just, like, to think about that when I saw that. Because I I didn't even know that happened until I I was talking to Kelly and did some research on him and everything. And then I saw that you were involved in that production, too. I was like, oh, my God, like cannot imagine living through a time where it's just like your problem something so amazing and for your case like making your Broadway debut Telly is like a bet um but so just like to go through that I I can't imagine I can't imagine what you were dealing with so but hey it was theater that saved you and brought you back so totally yeah honestly like it really was not great um I'm not gonna lie to you but it also was one of those things where like you learn from it you say okay um what am I supposed to take from this experience? Right. Uh, sometimes bad things just happen. There's no rhyme or reason. Um, and the next time I got to work with the director, Danny Goldstein, he gave me, like, the best job, which was – I'll tell you why – which was Grease at Paper Mill, which you wouldn't be like, that's the best job. <laughs> that. But um, the people I was with became – we became oh. best friends on that show. And so it's, like, weird that, like, I had to lose this job, but it ended up bringing me, like, my best friends on another job. So it was, like, totally. he gave me the worst experience and then the ultimate gift. Absolutely. So I always am, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, because he's, like, our match – we call him the matchmaker because, like – it was so beautiful. And Kelly was in that, too. He was oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. It, but, I mean, it's so true. Like, you have to go through those lows to experience and appreciate the highs and, like, the good parts of, like, your career and, like, appreciate it even more. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, but it's it's crazy. Crazy times. Anyways. Crazy. I got to go back to Beetlejuice, okay? Because yeah. <laughs> we Okay, so it's open and all the things, and it's killing it. It's doing so well. It's a hit. You know, like, people, like, when it came, it was coming to Broadway, it was like, oh, Beetlejuice is coming to Broadway? Like, what is happening? Like, how is this going to work? But everyone loved it. 
right? And then all of a sudden, the COVID pandemic hit, and it announced that it was closing. So, I mean, did you ever think that it was possible to, like, come back and, like, once Music Man said that they were going to go into your, the Winter Garden, then it was just like, what what's going through your guys' mind? So, again, with Beetlejuice, I'm always like, we've been on such a journey. Yeah. <laughs> never say never with this show. Right. Like, we are down, but we are not out. You know, I think what's interesting is, you know, when we opened, mm-hmm. we were very much not a hit. I think we were, we got very mixed reviews out of town. Mm-hmm. And then we came in and we were all a little bit nervous because we were essentially doing a totally different version of the show we had done out of town. And we were sort of like, okay, like we trust everyone on the team so much. We trust this is going to work. But we all first read the new script and we were like, okay, this is definitely a softer mm. version. So um, when we opened, I think everybody who came was having a great time, but I think there was sort of a stigma, a bit of a stigma around it. And I think people were almost not embarrassed to be like, I loved it. But a lot of people in the business, I think, were coming being like, this is my favorite thing I've seen all year. Yeah, right. you know, and you're like, yes, just come. It's so fun. Um, and I think also, like, with such great performances, you have, like, Leslie and you have, oh my God. Uh, obviously, Alex and Sophia and Bre- just everyone doing such great work. And I think we all loved what we were doing so much. So we thought we were going to close pretty early on because we were super nervous. And then truly the thing that changed for us was our performance on the Tony Awards and the cast album dropping that week. Mm. And all of a sudden – it just took off. Like, it was so crazy. Um, And I think just people understanding what the show was and the tone of the show, I think they realized, like, oh, this is actually not a kid's show, Um, and it's so funny and irreverent. And so I think every time we do a TV appearance, it helps us. But specifically, I think that Tony performance and the cast album. That Tony performance was, like, iconic. And honestly, every time we do something like that is truly a testament to, I think, Alex Timber's skill of knowing how to direct for TV. And yeah. Like, this is going to work for the show. It's not what we do in the show, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell the show the best way. And right. Brighton is so brilliant at all of those so brilliant. And always learning, like, new lyrics. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, yeah, I think we were sort of like hoping to make it through the summer. Yeah. And... 
um, slowly things just started picking up and we were like, wow, people are really coming to the show. And then, you know, we were engaging with people um, online because we were getting so many messages from kids and teenagers saying how much they related to the show. It meant so much to them. And we would come out of the stage door and slowly, like, what started as, you know, 20 people grew to, like, 50. And then it grew to, like, 100. And then it grew to, like, around the block of the Winter Garden. And we realized something else was happening. And then, of course, Presley started doing the TikToks. And we were making backstage TikToks. Yeah. And people were doing all this cosplay on TikTok of the album. And so I think it was just all of these things coming together at just the right time. And our show all of a sudden went overnight, it felt like, from being like possibly on the brink of closure to being a huge massive cat that was like, selling out and breaking a box office record. Yeah. So I think when we found out about the Music Man situation, they told us, I want to say it was like right before Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, and they were like, we're working really hard to move the show. And this is not by any means like a closing notice. We just, we have to vacate the theater. So we're going to promote it as that we're vacating and um, that's what we're going to do. And I know our producers worked really, really hard to try to get us to stay in there, but ultimately it was what it was. Right. Um, and saw the music band, loved it. Yeah. It was actually quite healing to like go back to the theater and oh. hear music in there again and hear people laughing just because after COVID, I was like, the last time I came in here, like we took a bow and then the last time I was moving out and it was just, Oh, sad and silent. And so it was so nice to see like life in there. Right. So uh, yeah, it was just like, I think we thought, you know, we're just going to see what happens. We're going to enjoy every day we have until June 6th. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I'm allowed to say this now. We were supposed to, we found out we were going to move. Mm-hmm. Theater. Uh, it was a different theater than we have now. Oh. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and so we took that Tuesday night vow and we were, you know, this doesn't age well, but we definitely were, like, making jokes about, like, going up to the door and being like, but we're really not supposed to. Why? Coronavirus. <laughs> we're like, please, let us do it. Please. Yes. Um, just, you know, at the time, I don't think any of us knew how serious it was. No. And we were like, okay, we're not doing the stage for All right. You know. Right. We, we didn't know. Um, we So we thought we were going home for two weeks. And then slowly, I think <laughs> we realized it was not going to be two weeks. Yeah. Um. And then we got that notification we were going to have a Zoom, and they told us that, you know, we're going to announce that we're closing early um, because they don't know when Broadway's returning. And they were very kind on that call as well. Same thing, like, we will not stop until we try to get the story. You know, this this shouldn't be the end, Mm -hmm. and we can't make any promises, but we're going to work extremely hard, and they surely lived up to their words. Um, So, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, you know, you spent two years, and I think we had hope, but also you don't want to have too much hope yep. because it would be so devastating. So I think we all just sort of, like, cautiously put it to bed, but it was just, like, we were writing a new chapter. We weren't, like, closing the book kind of thing. And um, thank goodness I think that we didn't. But um, on opening night, it was both so joyous and also very healing, and it was also a little painful because – I think that was the closure of the first journey for us, as well as the start of the new one. Right. And so it was so fantastic to be back, but it also is like bittersweet because we were missing people from our like original family, and everyone we have now who's new is amazing. But it was sad to be missing certain people, you know. And but a lot of them were there in the audience, which was really great. Oh. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's been totally surreal. Like I, I truly still can't believe that we're like back and yeah. 
happened. I know. I don't know of another situation where this has happened. Basically, mm-hmm. backed by popular demand. I don't know. <laughs> no, literally, it's such a testament to your fans. Um, your fans are literally like second to none. I mean, you have some of the best fans on Broadway. Seriously, they show up in cosplay. They're doing the whole TikTok dance. The whole the fan art of the wall and the marquee is. I insane. Um, just like obsessed with all of it. Another thing that made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But like rightfully so because I think I had a couple of tears walking past that too. Um, but like when they announced, when Beetlejuice announced that they were closing during the pandemic, like early, they 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 took to Twitter, they took to everywhere and like were doing petitions. Like they were everything. Like literally. And so like Talk to me about what the the fans mean to you and to this show. I mean, I think everyone would agree that the fans of our show, we have the best fans in the world. It can be both beautiful and overwhelming at the same time. It's an interesting thing because our show centers around a girl who's, and I think this is very important, who's like not a princess and she's, she's not trying to find love or even like, make a friend she just is sort of moving through very real human emotions and moving through grief and I think so many people connect with that and we do it all through humor Mm. of course but it's still dealing with like you know at the beginning of say my name she's about to jump off the roof she's contemplating suicide you know um and so I think it's been interesting just because we have so many people who are like I didn't feel seen and then I sort of found this like online community of people who liked the show and felt seen by the, by the show as well. And now they've become like friends. And the first time they would meet would be oh. at the stage door of our show, which that is like the most beautiful yeah. thing I can possibly think of. And so, you know, it seems so silly because you're like, Beetlejuice. You know, but <laughs> it really like means, it means something to so many people. And they're sort of like our extended family and like part of the fabric of our show. And um, I think one of the things we miss most, obviously, is having that stage or engagement right now, because I think it is a huge part of the culture of our show. But um, yeah, we certainly have the world's most amazing fans and the art we receive and the notes. I've received so many like letters and messages and um, it really all just means so much to everybody. And it's very cool to be a part of something that means this much to people, you know, and, Again, I, I don't know if that will ever happen again. Yeah. Um, so I think we're all just taking that experience in for what it is, which is like a very special, like once in a lifetime experience. So special. So you also understudy Lydia. Yeah. Right? Like, so talk to me about that because you mentioned her, like, in her kind of arc where in Say My Name, she's literally contemplating suicide and then, like, has to go through this emotional roller coaster of her mom dying and then like kind of befriending Beetlejuice and like all these things are going on and there's so many emotions that have to do with that character that arc is so beautiful um and you can tell they really worked on like figuring that out talk yeah. to me about about that track and, and what it means to to understudy such an iconic character yeah I mean I try not to think about that <laughs> yeah but, um but you know I think it's so interesting because all of us who have done it are all so different and so it's such a beautiful thing because everybody can bring their own um, their own self and we have such an amazing and supportive associate team and stage management team that has truly let us like find our own versions right um, of the show like certainly I could never do what Sophia does or you mm-hmm. know what I mean it or what Elizabeth does like we're all such different humans um, 
but I think, you know, it kind of came as a surprise. I think it just made natural sense to them that the Girl Scout would be the track that, like, right. covered um, Lydia. And so it came about, like, right before D.C. It was, like, never something we had discussed prior. Mm. Um, and so they were like, just come in. We're just going to, like, sing Dead Mom and do, like, a scene. And it's just going to be, like, it was very chill. It was just, like, um, our musical director, uh, Chris and Timbers and Rachel Hoffman. And I was like, am I? I thought, shit, my job right now. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, right. uh, yeah, I just was like, I'm so confused. Like, so I was like, I guess I'm just going to work on this material. I think I know what this is, you know. And uh, I went in the room. I did it. I left. And um, later on, Rachel Hoffman was like, oh, no, that was literally just, we just had to, like, see you could do it. And, like, it was just, like, checking the box off. And I was like, you should really tell people that right. before they go out the room. Yep. <laughs> um, I can't remember still my age. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, that is, we should be clearer. But I still was sort of like, I will be like, no storm Lydia. Like when people like can't make it from New Jersey, like, yep. you know, like I'll go on in like February, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and also because I was like, I have my own thing to do in the show and, yeah. you know, so, and that was truly enough for me. So I was like, this is just like an added bonus, I guess. Um, or stressor, if you will. Right. Yeah, but once I sort of, like, had the idea, I was like, well, this is actually really fun because this, I've made a career mostly of, like, dark, comedic yeah. roles, you know what I mean? And, and um, all of, like, that canon. So I was mm-hmm. like, this is so fun because it kind of pulls together all of that plus, like, I guess for lack of a better word, that, like, sort of, uh, like, seeker, yeah. um, that sort of, like, eponine you know, kind of version of uh, all those characters, too. And it's such a great score. So I was like, okay, great. Like, I'll just go. I'll see what happens. And um, I ended up going on a lot. And that was really exciting. Um, and certainly, like, that first time you come through the floor. Yeah. Like, it's very cool. <laughs> I can't um, imagine. Yeah, it's very, very cool. I can't lie to you. Uh, and it was just really great because, like, Brightman and I went to college together. Oh, and- yeah, and so, and we've also done a bunch of shows where, like, off, off, off Broadway, where we made, like, $25 a show with, like, a curtain dividing our dressing room that we just did for fun. Um, so we were like, this is the same, but, like, this looks bigger. Um, so it's fun, because every time I get to go on, it's, like, working with, like, A, he's an amazing team partner to begin with, but B, it's, like, this old trend, so it actually feels so familial and so comfortable, and it's, like, we're just doing a play in the basement. Of, for, like, the French Festival again. You know what I mean? So it's weird. It's, like, very big, but it also feels very small. Totally. Um, and, yeah, and it's just really fun. And in my track, I actually don't interact with a lot of people on stage I other than Elizabeth right. or whoever is in that track. Um, you know, otherwise I just, like, kind of stand alone and on your own thing. So it's so fun to get to, like, engage with everybody and do scene work and, like, really see everybody on stage. Yeah. Um, so it's always, like, a joy to kind of get to go on and, and like, play with everybody. Oh, I and love that's, it. those are all my favorite moments. Like, all the group numbers are my favorite. Yeah. Oh, my it's God. It's fun to be in them. They're so fun. <laughs> like, I don't get to do that every day. The whole show is so fun. I mean, literally. It's so, so good. It literally, the entire time, like, as an audience member, your cheeks hurt after watching it because you're literally smiling the whole time. I mean, there's a couple sad parts and everything, but, like, they make yeah. light out of it almost instantly. Um, yeah, because they want you to like it. It is a feel-good show. I don't know. It's kind of bizarre when you really think about it, because they do talk about suicide and losing your parents and like all these things. But like they do try to make it 
kind of fun and enjoyable all at the same time. Um, so yeah, like like you said, like the whole show is so fun, and I mean it's no wonder why everybody, literally everybody, loves the show, and, and no one has a problem saying it now. Like they're not shy to say it now. <laughs> um, so I have to ask you because I'm dying to ask you. You you play a girl scout in the show, and I saw on your Instagram that you're a snack connoisseur and like a, a snack. Oh, yeah. What did you say? A snack enthusiast. Um, I I love that. So I have to ask you, like, do you have a favorite girl scout cookies? Okay, so. I get asked this a lot. I react, which is like the irony is not lost on me. So I basically have like one choice. I think there's two choices now. I okay. came out with this type gluten free cookie. Oh. And it's a toffee flavor. I can't say it's my favorite thing okay. or like a shortbread, but I I really like coconut. So if I could, I'm sure it would be a Samoa. Okay. I like it. You know, I mean, that's, that's my yeah. favorite. I'm not even a coconut guy. Uh, but I, I okay. love Samoans, and uh, that's, like, the one thing. I will say, it's an unpopular opinion, because my whole family, their favorite are Thin Mints. And sure. I'm just, like... A good old standby. I am so against Thin Mints. I have, like, beef with Thin Mints, because I just don't think mints should be in, like, cookies. Like, that's a time to, like, snack and, like, be unhealthy. And, like, mints are kind of, like, yeah. for gum, you know? Just keep it in gum. Um, anyway. No, I, I hear that. Yeah. I, I totally see that. Uh, yeah, I would go with, like, Samoa or probably tag along as the peanut butter. Tag along. Oh, my God. Those hit so, yeah, it would be one of those for me, I think. Okay. Um, but you're toffee But also, too, like, right? if we're out there, I like toffee. Okay. Like, okay. okay. Kind of there. Okay. But yeah, if anyone's listening, make more gluten-free flavors, please. Gluten-free. Yep. Is, are you <laughs> gluten-free? Like, are you fully gluten-free? Yeah, I have celiac, so oh, like, okay. I actually have to be. So, like, wow. I have soy sauce. I have, like, nothing. Um. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's fascinating. Like, I can imagine. So I cannot. I cannot do it. I cannot do the whole gluten free thing. I, all I do is it's so bad. My diet is so bad. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you briefly about Avenue Q because it, it's oh, another yeah. show that uh, you were in, and honestly, like in a way. Minus, like, the sex things, um, I guess it could remind people of Beetlejuice with, like, the raunchiness comedy and kind of thing yeah. and the dark kind of comedy stuff. Um, talk to me about, I mean, what Avenue Q is like and, like, having a puppet as, like, you, your character. I don't know. Like, yeah. I can't imagine what that's like. It's very strange. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I come not from the puppeteer world, right. so I had to approach it as an actor. Uh, and they kind of, at that final callback, like, you go to puppet camp before it, which sounds very cool, but in actuality, you're, like, in a room at Ripley Greer, sitting in, like, a folded metal chair with a puppet, like, learning how to do things, <laughs> and, like, how to how to walk with a puppet, you know, like, so you're literally going, like, A, B, C, D, <laughs> so w, you know, um, and they basically give you all the skills you could need to, like, get you through the callback, and then, of course, you get, like, much more in-depth, like, if you get cast. But it's sort of to see who has, like, a natural affinity for it. Mm. Um, and so you do the final callback with the puppet. Very stressful. Yeah. Um, I remember they taped it. I don't know if that's, like, normal, but they did tape mine, and I was like, this is bad, because they will forget if I was bad at the puppet. Right. But they won't forget if they can look at the tape and remind themselves of my puppet. And also, like, you know, eye focus is really hard, and when you're in the camera, especially, like, it's such an important thing, and I was like, oh, my puppet is just going to be looking side to side. And yep. um, <laughs> so I never thought I would fear again. Um, 
but luckily I did. And it's just, honestly, it's such a fun show to be a part of. Another yeah. one where you just laugh every day. Uh, and it presented some unique challenges because I basically had to work backwards as an actor. Like, I'm very much somebody who learns on my feet. I don't really memorize before I get on my feet. I kind of do it as I go. And I just like to like play and find things. Yep. But with the puppet, you can't be as organic as you'd like to be because the puppet has to follow you, if that makes mm. sense. So, like, I had to sort of be a lot more, not that I'm not consistent, but I had to be more consistent in all of my choices until I was a competent and confident enough puppeteer that if I did something new, right. my puppet could also do it. Um, ah, and it is very stressful. Um, I remember right before my first show, the stage manager was like, you haven't cried yet. Oh, no. And I said, oh, does everyone cry? And she goes, oh, everybody who plays Kate Monster cries. <laughs> um, but yeah, I spent like a month. They give you like a month with the puppet. Uh-huh. So I just used my computer and I would record myself doing things to be like, that looks like something. Or oh, that doesn't gosh. look like what I think it looks like. Um, which is like an absolute nightmare to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I was only watching the puppet. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, I would say, like, you basically start at, like, a basic slash intermediate level when you start the show, and then it takes several months to get comfortable. Um, and I would by no means call myself, like, a great puppeteer at all, but I, I was at least confident enough at the end of my time that I felt free and that I could, like, play and try things. Sure. But it's also weird because you have a second-hander who's sometimes voicing you or puppeteering right. So it's like you also can't make a choice on the fly that you haven't talked to them about. Oh so my it's God. just a bit different than a normal show just because you can't, like, just engage in the scene and try something new. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's kind um, of like defying the laws of acting of just, like, listening and reacting kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's totally crazy. But then when you see – so, like, obviously I was not an excellent puppeteer. I came from, from a, different, uh, a different place, but – when you see, like, Stephanie do it, yeah. you just, it's so mesmerizing. Like, the puppeteering <laughs> is so good that Aww. you're like, I will just, it's like being on another planet. You're just like, I will never be that good. And this is so amazing to watch. Right. That puppet is so alive. Um, but I remember, like, they were like, well, you know, the goal is that people watch the puppet and not you. And I was like, Ooh. Yep. <laughs> totally. I can't imagine. That's got to be so hard. And, like, having, like, puppets be your scene partner, kind of, because you, like, don't want to, like, yeah. look at the puppeteer, I guess, because you're no, full you're not allowed to. Yeah, you'll, yeah. Yeah, we're told to look the puppet in the eye. It's so bizarre. It's so crazy. So, you know, when you catch someone's eye, something's gone terribly wrong. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, like, the giggle start, or, like, someone's, like, like, one time my ear fell off. What? Of Lucy, and I just came Stop off it. the stage, and I had, like, I was like, what flew? And it was fully her ear. Oh, um, my word. So, like, it's, like, those moments where everyone's puppets sort of, like, start to, like, tumble down low because everyone's giggling. And so you just kind of, oh my like, gosh. together. Hilarious. Um, yeah, and had, like, puppet ears fall off. Like, I think my Princeton, my Princeton had his eye fall off. <laughs> I mean, everyone's a little bit racist one night. And it took, like, every part of my being to like keep moving forward yeah. and I just had to look I changed the blocking had to like turn the other way yeah. but there's just no possible way I can look at this person with one eye no nope. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> it was like slowly falling off so at first it was like hanging on by a thread which oh. was even crazier oh my god it was bad and then we started doing like the <laughs> like the headphones and I was like this is 
and that's when it flew. Oh my god! Um, I can't yeah, imagine. Puppets are a whole. Yeah, they're like don't work with animals or children, but I'd also maybe say puppets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love working with animals and children. What the heck? I hate Damn, that thing. Anytime. Yes. Screw the puppets. No, not actually. We love puppets. We love yeah. Avenue Q. Um, love. Yes. Absolute love. <laughs> Do they have like, like you know, like when you're in like a nothing against Avenue Q, but like a normal show with like team partners, mm-hmm. they have lift calls and everything like that. Do they have like a puppet call where you can kind of like do the puppets a couple minutes before the show and? I don't know, rehearse. Uh, they don't have a puppet call, but they do have a puppet wrangler who's okay. sort of like in the same way that like you'd have a wig department and there's oh. somebody who like takes care of that they brush the hair, they style them oh. every day because like you know they all come <laughs> off looking crazy because they have like human hair and all of that. It's actually really weird when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a sad room because it's just they <laughs> have like their own hooks and there's I don't remember at this point how many puppets in the show, but let's say it's like forty five or something, uh-huh. and they're all just hanging there like. You know, like no movement whatsoever. Oh my god, that sounds terrifying. Actually, no. And it's one of the rules of the show, actually, that we're never supposed to show anybody. Like they should always be alive if you're taking a photo, or if you're at a press event, you can never like rest because they don't ever want to see the puppet. Like you know, take a dip or take a nap. Right. Um. So yeah, I remember we hosted. uh, I want to say it was like the Macy's. It was like the Easter fashion show or something. And we were up there for so long, and we couldn't take a break. And like, oh my gosh, my arm is gonna fall. Off. Yeah, um, you need some circulation yeah. going. What the heck? Yeah, <laughs> definitely the most strangely most athletic thing I've ever done. Yeah. because I was like, this is really hard. Oh my god, that's hilarious. my bicep got huge. Yeah, I can't imagine. It sounds <laughs> very bizarre, and like people don't like realize that. You know, like as an audience perspective, you're just like, oh yeah, like sure. Like, you just get used to it, and it's just, you don't realize, like, the kind of work that it takes to, to do that. But, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, Dana, I mean, that, this has been fantastic. I, I don't want to keep you too much longer because you got a show to get to tonight. Uh, but this has been seriously so amazing, and I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all these fabulous <laughs> stories. This has been a joy. Yes, it was so nice to meet you. My AirPod falls out. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Perfect timing. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much again, and uh, break a leg on the rest of your run over at Beetlejuice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Take a bow, Dana Steingold. Oh, my God. That was such a fun episode. Uh, we had filmed this, actually, just... A couple days after I filmed with Telly, um, if you couldn't tell, I think it was literally, like, the next day I I, uh, recorded with Telly. So we did reference Telly's uh, episode, which happened two weeks ago, a lot during this episode because they were friends and because it was kind of fresh in my mind and I brought that up and I've been thinking about it. So just to give you a little bit of background and, and... I guess the story, but her her journey through the industry has been fascinating with the shows that she's been in with Avenue Q and Beetlejuice. I mean, they're just not your typical Broadway shows, and she's been in both of them, and it's just so cool to to talk to her about those experiences and what that's like, and to be able to be with Beetlejuice for as long as she's been able to be with it, and the whole cast really um, is really cool, so to be able to talk to her about that and all that 
it's just been awesome. And she was actually in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee Tour. Uh, we did not talk about that. It's something that I definitely wanted to. But uh, we we just talked for we, – we had such a great chat, and I kind of got lost in the conversation. So we didn't get to talk about that and what it was like for her to tour, um, especially at, like, a young age. She did that. I believe it was like 14 years ago now, um, maybe 16 years ago. Uh, so just really cool, and to get her perspective on that would have been awesome. But I feel like we had a great episode, and you can follow her to um, for her own content and to follow her along her journey and her future endeavors. I highly recommend it. It's fun. She posts a lot of Beetlejuice content, as she should, because it's it's so fun. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for you folks this week. I'm going to remind you guys for many episodes to come, maybe every episode, that you all should be subscribing to our Take About YouTube channel. Um, we are going to be releasing the video portions of the episode, so you'll be able to listen and watch to all of the episodes that we release. Um, it will be a couple days later than it will come out on like the podcast platforms, but Nonetheless, it's worth the wait, and then you could even listen to it and then go back and watch it, because I promise you, I, it will not let you down, It truly, because they are hilarious to watch uh, with my facial expressions and to to see what it's just like to, to kind of have like a Zoom interview. It's great. I highly recommend it. Go do it. Go like, subscribe, do all the things to the videos, and... Uh, that's all I have. So I hope that you all have an amazing week. I hope this brought all the, I hope this brought all of you some sort of entertainment for for this week or even for the day. Um, I appreciate you listening, and I hope to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Petty Tocast, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash tab and if you enjoyed this week's episode don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on also feel free to give us a follow on instagram at take about podcast take about logo is designed by giselle bustos and the music is by nikki torsha and cormac Collinon. bye everyone hope to see you next week Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.